0: We're hot. Hot, 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 hot. We're live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dan Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Pastrana. I got to tell you guys, this is one of the most exciting folks I could talk to, period. And Monica, God bless you. You did your best to hang in there. And <laughs> luckily, Travis is cute. I think that got you through a lot no, of No, it. it's
1: very, very interesting. He lives a life that I... <laughs>
0: Fear, would fear greatly never live.
1: <laughs> um, and it's fascinating to jump into those people's worlds,
0: yeah. You know, Travis Pastrana is one of these guys who I just idolize. He has done every single thing a human being can do on a motorcycle and a rally car and a NASCAR. And I, I think he backflipped a, a monster truck one time. He is an extreme motorsports daredevil, but I will say there are themes in this that transcend that that are very interesting so Mm -hmm. if if motorsports isn't your bag don't worry i think that we get into life themes for sure, pretty profoundly, and I think it's really illuminating to hear how someone like Travis thinks, how he approaches his work, his job, the risk, how he ended up doing it. It's all very, very fascinating to me, and he's just a gem of a human being.
1: Yeah, sweet boy.
0: Mm, mm, mm. He's a 17 time X Games medalist, and he's a five times North American rally champion. He is the co-founder of Nitro Circus, Nitro World Games, and Nitro Rallycross. Travis's new venture is called Circuit 199, a future state-of-the-art racing facility, motorsports park, and entertainment venue where everyone from beginners to tier one athletes can pursue their passions and progress as safely as possible.
1: Can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. What is rally?
0: Rally is a type of racing that doesn't happen on like a paved track. It happens in the woods. Most often or in Sweden, it happens in the snowy woods or it happens along mountain trails. And it's cars racing over jumps, turns, always with a very death-defying element because you're racing within the trees. There's no runoff. So if you crash, you're crashing into a tree at speed.
1: Is it still made? Like, is it still a made track? It's just outdoors in the elements?
0: Yes, there's like a path cleared through the forest that they race on. It's incredible.
1: All right, well,
0: that's helpful. Yeah, let's get into it. Travis Pastrana is a motorsports god on earth. Please enjoy this cute boy from Maryland. We are supported by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can do much more than build a website. You can also sell custom merch. Guys, this is what we do on Squarespace. We have a merch team, and we offer it all on a website beautifully built by Wabiwab on Squarespace. Simply design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you. With Squarespace, it doesn't matter what you sell, physical goods, digital products, services, they have all the tools you need to start selling online. Just take one of their professional website templates, then customize the look, update the content, and add features to fit your unique needs. You can make any Squarespace template do what you want, so you can stand out online on any device. For a free trial, just head to squarespace.com dax. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code dax to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. We are supported by HelloFresh. You know, there are days when it's really hard to decide what to eat. You stare blankly into the fridge for what feels like hours with no success. And you end up hangry. Well... I've got a solution. HelloFresh, they deliver fresh ingredients and chef-curated recipes straight to your home. And they even take care of the meal planning.
1: I love it because I always text Callie, what should I eat for dinner?
0: Okay, you ask her a lot. Uh,
1: Yeah, because I get stressed and overwhelmed. And she doesn't know. And so HelloFresh is so great if I have it because then it's all there. I don't have to make any decisions.
0: Well, what did you get into last night?
1: Ooh, last night I had a, you know I love prosciutto.
0: Mm-hmm, I who does
1: so good. I had a prosciutto-wrapped chicken, and it had a truffle chive <sighs> mashed potatoes and Ooh. a lemony broccoli. It was delicious. Oh, my
0: goodness. Go to HelloFresh.com DAXFREE and use the code DAXFREE for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life, available for a limited time at HelloFresh.com DAXFREE with the code DAXFREE. He's an armchair He's an He's an armchair, He's an armchair Okay. Okay. Now, here we go.
2: <laughs> Hi. How's it going? Going good. So I actually lost my voice yesterday at an event. So I was perfect.
0: Will- <laughs> perfect for a, a 90 minute podcast, an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you sign, and then I'll, I'll translate for the listeners. <laughs> so. Thumbs up. You know, it's kind of nice for me to see you in some way on my turf. Because usually, well, I, I think I've only been around you two or three times, but it's always like in the sand dunes where you're yeah. God. Yeah, I yeah, am I yeah. a
2: PA. Oh, you're it, a peasant. When, yeah, so how, how's your? Was your wrist, your hand? How's that healing up?
0: Oh, well, it has healed, but now I have like a fifth knuckle on just the top Not. of my hand. Do you have a few of those? What is the... What seems
2: to be the fragile points of your body? Uh, shoulders, knees, for sure. Ankles. Now, see, when you start racing, most guys are like gum, but you end up on your feet and then you start breaking your ankles. And then when they break, then you start blowing out your knees and then you start breaking <laughs> your back. It just kind of works its way up.
0: Oh. You're so right. And by the way, you're you're explaining something that my wife witnessed on Saturday, which was I was on roller skates and I went to sit down. And I realized, well, both my wrists are shot, so I can't put my hands behind me to yep. sit down. And then I thought, well, I'm going to have to make fists because that's generally like if I have to do a push up, that's what I, I got to do it fist wise, right?
2: My left wrist is fused, so when I fall over, like you trip up the steps and you just take it to the, the shoulder because you can't <laughs> oh. <laughs> grab yourself. That,
0: that well, look, I've even had your life, but that is where I'm at. Where my wife was watching me try to sit down on roller skates, and I just had to commit and just drop onto my tailbone because I can't, <laughs> I can't break my fall oh. with anything. And and I was thinking, yeah, these these injuries are
2: starting to roll downhill and fuck up other things. <laughs> Without a doubt, so I actually, when I had a growth spurt at 12 years old, I broke both wrists and I came back, like literally my mom had to wipe me because I, like I had two full arm casts. And uh-huh. I came back and I broke my left wrist and my left collarbone on like the first ride back. And oh. then I blew out my knee and I was like, okay, whatever you do, I just got back on the bike. I'm like, just don't land on your wrist. Don't land on your wrist. <laughs> And I sat back on it, and I broke my back. And oh, my And I was God. thinking, man, I'll, I'll take the you know. Oh, so, oh yeah, man. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of one of those things.
0: Well, I kind of, I used to fist fight a lot, and got, thank God I haven't in a long time. It does <laughs> cross my mind. If it goes down at this point, I don't know how deep into the fight before everything's just broke. Like, even if I was winning, I'm sorry I can't hit you anymore because everything's broke now. That was a no, gross I... sidebar. Sorry, <laughs> Monica. I'm sorry. No. But it does no. cross my mind. So okay, so you're an interesting guest for us because our listeners, arm cherries, are predominantly female, and so yep. I'm gonna gender stereotype now. I don't, I doubt many of them love nitro circus or motocross or nope. the many things you and I love. We're like
2: 85% younger males. <laughs> so probably exact opposite viewership, but yes. Uh,
1: yeah, sounds about right.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you and I could team up, if we could like converge the Nitro Circus and Armchair Army, it, it would be really amazing. And they <laughs> pair up perfectly and could find mates because there's, you know what I'm saying? The, the numbers are there. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so what I want to say is there'll be a bunch of sports talk, but much bigger themes in your life that I think are very interesting themes that, uh, that people will really enjoy. So I have theories about you and I'm going to test them. But let's start at the (laughs) beginning. Travis, where were you born?
2: Annapolis, Maryland.
0: And was it pretty rural where you got brought home from the hospital?
2: So Annapolis is actually the capital of Maryland, but it's definitely a smaller city. So you got the Naval Academy, a lot of armed forces there for sure. Definitely my dad was military. Pretty much everyone in that area. Uh, My my best friend growing up became a Navy SEAL. So when you grew up with your dad being a drill sergeant in the Marine Corps, it's a pretty strict regiment. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> even though that uh, Bam wasn't too far away, we grew up completely different. Like, could oh. not be more, you know, the skate culture. God, I married a skater. My wife, Lindsay, uh, she's a skater. But, like, they were, you know, get up at the crack of noon. And <laughs> if, I, if I slept till 7 on, on a weekend, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was a lazy, you know, pile of crap. So.
0: <laughs> get up at the crack of noon. Wow. Well, that's all going th- to tie into these different themes because you've avoided some pretty well-worn traps that a lot of folks fall into, both in what you do and what I do. I fell into them and you, you appeared to have not fallen into them, but I was wondering, were you in a suburb? Like, were you somewhere where you could ride a dirt bike as a child?
2: Yep, so my dad, he has five brothers and they had a construction company. So really small construction company, but basically my grandma lived right next to us. My dad's uncle lived right next to him and his brother lived right next to him. And then they rented the next house out that ended up being my cousin. So we all lived on basically, is Elliott Road, which is my grandma's maiden name. And in the back was basically the shop where we had bobcats and sand piles and I got in trouble all the time for moving all the different types of dirts on top of each other because they made for good jumps, you know, makes the clay with the sand kind of deal. But, you know, it was a good childhood.
0: (laughs) What age did you get set on a dirt bike?
2: So I was four years old when I started riding dirt bikes, but we rode go-karts from the age of two. And it was a pretty redneck upbringing considering it was kind of city, if you will.
0: So, you're the kid I would have befriended in Michigan to have access to all your sweet shit. I wanted all that shit, but we were too broke. In fact, one of my good buddies, his dad was a mason. And so they had some shit. You know, they had some property and they had some dirt bikes. And I lived there because of that.
2: All of my uncles, basically, they all loved hot rods, they loved everything. And we just found from the ages of like 10, 11, 12. As soon as we could reach the pedals and the steering wheel, we'd go, you know, round up, do whatever we paper routes, whatever we had to do to get like a $200 car from the junkyard and then just make it run, go until it flips or hits a tree, get it running again, and then save up your money again and, and make it happen. So we had a little different childhood than, than most people, but uh, yeah, my uncles, you know, it was a really close knit family. We didn't have a lot of money, for sure. Like, everything was hand-me-downs and, you know, 10 yeah. years old and, and broken and and everything. But uh, it was kind of a, a really cool way to grow up with a lot of cousins and a lot of uncles doing crazy stuff all the time. Do you have siblings? No, only child. We could have never afforded racing with, with more. I was so. just
0: going to say, that helps big time. So, when you got on the dirt bike, would you say, and we will not interpret this as bragging, but was it just a very natural fit from you from the get?
2: I was basically the runt of my family. My uncle was quarterback for Denver Broncos, All-American lacrosse wrestling. My uh, grandfather was golden glove boxer in the Navy. And I didn't get any of that. I couldn't throw, catch, (laughs) <laughs> hit punch. I got beat up all the time, you know, for uh, Thanksgiving football games. It was basically like, yeah, yeah. Your five-year-old female cousin was going to be <laughs> your.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: exactly. So um, I-, I found the only way to really fit in with my family was to have a motor because I-, I couldn't do it with my my own physical power. <laughs> yeah. So it was basically how high can I jump off a bridge? How many flips can I do? And how fast did I twist my right wrist?
0: Oh my God. So this is fantastic. Yeah. I was never good at soccer. I wasn't good at any of these things, but like BMX bike came around and I would hit the double and then I'd hit the triple. I thought, Oh, this device can make me
2: the athlete I want. Like this thing can deliver on what I wish I was. My greatest strength is the willingness and kind of that understanding, like calculating risk, like, okay, can I make it? and what are the odds this is gonna work? Now, I crash more than most people. I've had more injuries than, than pretty much anyone else out there, but that's how I've made a career. Now, we've gone this quarantine and all this stuff is sim racing. And they're like, man, you're really bad on the simulator. I'm like, no, they took away all of my, my edge. No one's afraid to crash the simulator. How am I supposed <laughs> to beat anybody? <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Okay, but, and this'll be, again, a theme that reoccurs, which is certainly you had a really high tolerance for fear. There's probably something wrong in your head. I remember reading, reading in like psychology that people who are are risk takers, like they don't have MAO in their brain. Like people with a ton of MAO, they're satisfied watching the grass grow, but people with none, their brains are dead unless there's a threat of death. But you had on top of that, a crazy gift on a motorcycle. What age did you start
2: racing? I started racing at four four years old. So, yep. Oh, you were racing at that age? Yep. Got my bike. Everyone in the family loved motorcycles. My mom even started racing when I started racing. So it was, it was pretty fun.
0: Oh, wow. And then when do you win your first championships?
2: So first Amateur National Championship was 10 years old. So then I won five Amateur National Championships and then won my first X Games. Well, won the World Freestyle Championship because uh, it was a new sport. You know, when you start out with something that's they haven't done for a long time, you're still yeah. kind of everyone's learning together. So it's it's a lot easier for someone that's younger uh, or hasn't been on a bike as much uh, to, to really get in to do well. Timing was definitely on my side. So I won the World Championships at 14, but it really wasn't a sport at that time. It was kind of like the guys that weren't good enough to race motocross played around, you know? In
0: general, guys seemed to be either crazy great racers or they were really good at freestyle. And certainly maybe there was overlap, but you actually won the AMA 125s when you were, that's when you were 17, yes. yeah?
2: Yeah, 16, yep.
0: 16, so you're the fastest man in, in the world on a 125 at 16.
2: Uh, I peaked I early. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you go to the X Games, uh, the very first X Games. Is that 99?
2: 99, Yep. 15 years old. Yep. And
0: you win the freestyle competition, which is where you're doing stunts. You're jumping off enormous jumps, and you're doing tricks, and you get... At that time, which still stands, you get a 99, right? You just, you decimate the competition. And you're a phenom and you're like 16. And so here's where I start noticing you. I'm, I guess, if you were 16, I was probably like 24 or something. And it was very exciting that you were both that and you were the current champion on 125. I thought, oh, this doesn't really happen. This kid's really a phenom. I'm really excited about this person, as was everybody in the motorsports world. And were you doing
2: all your tricks on a 125
0: and everyone else is on a 250?
2: Yeah, for sure. So it definitely sounded louder, didn't go as fast, uh, made a lot of noise, had a lot of aggression. No, I mean, that's basically my whole life. My dad said, look, your your uncle was the greatest athlete, might've ever come out of Maryland. And he's still working construction in the summer and teaching in our community college health to seniors. And uh, they call him coach P for lacrosse and, and football. And he said, look, any day that you can do what you love to do, ride that train till the wheels fall off, but you're always going to end up working construction with us. So whenever <laughs> something <laughs> came up like X Games, uh-huh. I was like, Dad, I want to do that. Like, Mom, I want to do that. And they're like, well, you know, yeah, just have fun. As long as you're having fun, you're getting good grades, like, go ahead. And uh, it never stopped.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like you were born into the very perfect family to pursue what you pursued. But did they wrestle? When you started doing freestyle, did they start getting scared? And, and were they expressing that at all to you? Because people are not yet, but people shortly thereafter start getting very, very hurt doing this. Like Like, don't walk again and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, my it was definitely tougher on my mom. You know, at 18, I'm backflipping into the Grand Canyon with parachute and
0: oh my God. just, you know, all this
2: stuff kind of, I took a lot of hard lefts um, <laughs> throughout throughout my career. Uh, but at the end of the day, my mom, I think that when she realized that it meant that much, I dislocated my, basically my pelvis shattered and my spine just pretty much went in your asshole, butt, if you will. Yeah, out of it. Yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> oh I blew like two thirds of my blood volume. Oh, Oh! So I just kept passing out. I'd pass out. Every time they tried to move me, I'd pass out. So I got hurt in Havasu and I ended up flying to LA, woke up two weeks later, almost died basically. What,
0: what I, stunt was that in Havasu? Oh, I was
2: just, I just didn't go fast enough. I was trying to make a jump on a freestyle course and I tried to jump two jumps and I went 115 feet when I needed to go 120. So,
0: <laughs> oh. Five oh, feet. Five
2: this feet. is stressful. Yeah, this is gonna be really hard this for
1: Monica. Is uh,
0: we should have given you like a Xanax or something <laughs> before this one. Okay, so did mom at all say to you, like, hun, I, I'm so glad you're on fire for this and passionate, but she still present has to say, like, be careful. She's still your they, mom. You don't even have the be careful switch on your on the back of
2: your head. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, so my parents had sold the boat. That's what they did on the weekends. And now motorcycles was what they did. All my uncles that were construction had basically taken pay cuts to cover our fuel, to get to the races. We had awesome like sponsors that, even though you can't pay amateurs, they were basically helping us in any way they could as friends to be like, okay, you need a new bike for the national championships. Like you you have to have this and just the, really the community, the family, everybody came around to support me doing this. And, but my mom's like, you know, the chance of you making anything as far as financial in, in the sport. She's like, we want to give you the opportunity to go as far as you want. But when I hurt myself there and I woke up literally two weeks later and coming out of the medically induced coma. And she said, are you sure this is what you want to do? I said, mom, when can I ride again? I want to do that jump." It's like, well, that was two weeks ago. And uh, no, that sounds like a horrible (laughs) idea. And I just, I was like, they're like, you'll be lucky to walk again. You're going to be in a wheelchair for the next, you know, five months. Let's think about your education. Let's get away from dirt bikes. And even that moment in all that pain, all I want to do is get back on the dirt bike. And she's like, well, if if you love it this much, she goes, I can't take your life away from you as much as it was hard for you. Yeah,
0: I think it's very hard for a lot of people to understand who don't have hobbies that are really dangerous, but, and maybe this isn't true for you, but for some people, they'd rather not be here. (laughs) I mean, for some people, (laughs) if they can't surf big waves, they'd rather just call it. You know, that's what they want to do. And that might shorten their time here, but that's how they want to spend that time here. It's hard to comprehend if that's not your jam, I think.
2: If you don't have anything that you truly love that is, it sounds silly to say something's worth dying for. Like nobody wants to die, but a lot of people never live. And that's kind of the thing is like, what are you willing to sacrifice to have the best life that you possibly can? And uh, one of my heroes, Matt Hoffman said, live to die happy. So whatever happens, every single day you live so that if the world ended the next day, you died not feeling like you wondered if you could have been better, could have done more, could have done something.
0: Man, it's like great risk, great reward. Yeah, it's it like is. it's everything. Matt Hoffman, so people know he's basically the U of BMX bikes.
2: Yeah, he was the pioneer. He was the guy that started everything. First X games, he won the the Vert. So this is a guy that was going 40 foot up. He was pronounced dead, you know, like completely out for like you know two minutes and, and oh they God. brought him back this is a guy that came out he couldn't get surgery to fix what he needed to do in the u.s so two weeks before x games he wanted to do a trick no hand at 900 no one else had ever done it he knew he could do it he was dialed in hurt himself so he goes to canada and they said look we can't put you under because that would technically be a, a surgery but we can do this procedure as long as it's not you know uh, surgery. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. they drilled, drilled through, they're like, you numbed it, but you can't numb like femur and tibia and everything. And they plated everything and put some synthetic ligaments in there. And he went and landed the first ever, no hand at 900. So that's something to say, like, that's how much he wanted to do this. And it's something not many people can grasp, but
0: yeah.
1: Okay. So
2: first of all, Travis is married.
0: I just want to warn you. Well,
1: you know. that's actually what I'm getting at. Oh, this okay. is, this is part of it. So when you have this, thing you love so much that you'll sacrifice essentially your life for. Do you have close relationships with other people along this time? Because I feel like as soon as somebody else close comes in, you feel like you owe them a little bit of you, of your life. So then when you put yourself at risk, isn't that scarier? Or does that make it harder to do?
2: Yeah, I mean, risk to reward always changes. If you're 15 years old, you've got, and not say nothing to lose, but you've got a lot more to gain. Um, you know, I haven't won X games. I haven't done this. I need to prove. And even if you don't, that's how you you know, you know feel as you're young and you know fired up. You're like, I, I need to do this. I have to land this trick. I have to set myself on the stage. You don't have a, a wife or a girlfriend or kids. But everyone says, how can you keep doing this stuff when you have kids? I said, well, I've crashed a lot. And it's that calculated risk to say, what is worth it? What is going to show my kids that you got to go out, you got to work hard, you got to chase your dreams, you got to live your life to the absolute fullest. But you got to keep living. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't yeah. take these excessive risks. So it is Josh Sheehan, triple backflip. This guy, he's all, actually almost my age, but um, you know, no wife, no kids. And I've been working for a triple backflip pretty much since the double backflip in 2006.
0: Really quick, I just got to say, Travis was the yep. first person in the event to backflip
2: a motorcycle twice wow. Wow. in Wow! Lane. Yeah, so, so that was about 40 feet above the ground or 50 feet. Now they're going 100 feet above the ground. Oh my so God. My God the the takeoff that we had, we worked with Thomas Paget and all the Red Bull and Nitro, and we had gone through so much money and so much time and so many injuries trying to figure out how to get the motorcycle that's 250 pounds to spin three times yeah. not slow down, weighting the rear wheels, trying all different things.
0: And can I pause you for one second? I yeah, have to before. imagine, because the Red Bull Bank is the fucking best in motorsports. So <laughs> yes, they, it is. You, There are, I am assuming there's like physicists and engineers working on this at this point, right? I mean, it is a real think tank. It's not you and your fucking yokel buddies going like, how do we get a third rotation out of this?
2: The problem is most of the think tanks don't work. Um, <laughs> it, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, the I'm not saying never... that smart people aren't smart, but in, in our <laughs> stuff, like it comes down to it's a feel that, you yeah. know, people that if you don't feel something, you don't really understand it. So. We finally figured out how to get three around, but now I'm at about 110 feet in the air. My landing's about, oh! so I'm going to an airbag, which is still 60 feet below me. And I mean, so Josh Sheehan, he was peeing blood. I've got a couple broken ribs and that's Oof. to an, an airbag. That's the safest thing you can possibly do. I was scared going to the airbag and I had to stop I'm thinking, if I'm scared going to an airbag, what makes me think that when this is a landing, wooden landing, 60 foot tall, I'm going, you know, 60 feet above that, like what makes me think that I'm going to have the mental capacity to commit to this and like you said you're thinking well what if i get hurt what if i die what my my wife what about my kids and you i just as soon as you start thinking about that you realize that you're in over your head whether you are or you're not if you're thinking of anything but that trick in that moment you're going to get hurt and that was my first Mm -hmm. time that i thought my job is no longer to to be the guy that's pushing the limit my job is to help these guys that are pushing the limit do it and get back to their families
1: Mm.
0: Dude, okay, so you're bringing up a great point. Okay, so I ride motorcycles in L.A. everywhere I go. I go to the track every time I can to race motorcycles. And increasingly, I'm having the debate while it's going on. Do you have the debate? Like, I'll be doing something, and I'm loving it. Because, you know, with the two kids and everything else, I'm just kind of like, fuck, I love this so much. But then it crosses my mind what my kids will be like without a dad. A dad they knew for seven years. And I'm like, God... How much do I love it? it? It trickles in a lot more for me in the last couple of years.
2: No, without a doubt. I was riding my Harley the other day, just backwoods, like just cruising. And I saw a deer on the side of the road. Just, we live in Maryland, there's a lot of deer. And I really, I was scared all the way back. I'm like, how stupid would this be? I'm riding the speed limit, cruising. I yes, like, can can I do this? Can I keep riding? Yeah. Is that still safe? And then I was going to pick up my daughter and I'm like, can I have her on the back of this? Like, I'm I'm a good rider, but like, well, if a deer jumps out and runs us over, like, what?
0: I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so great. So now we're somewhere where we really need to be, which is, I have this ethical thing and I really want to know, because, so you, you have a daughter, Addie, that's the exact same age as Lincoln. And I kind of been tracking you a little bit. Cause I put Lincoln on an electric dirt bike at like just before her fourth birthday, and she got good awesome. at that. And then I got her a little razor, and she's fucking baller in the razor. You got the, the little 170? Yes. And I can see the calmness when shit comes up, and I'm like, oh, she's got it. She's got the thing. Like yeah. everything can be upside down, and she's still thinking calmly. She's got it. And it fills me with such delight. So I imagine Addie, your daughter, she must be doing all this stuff too what's she yep, doing
2: so, same thing that 170 um you know now she's on dirt bikes and but it's funny because i have two daughters and my oldest it was Addie. i don't know how different your kids are but my oldest Addie, comes out and she was crying unless you had her in the air she had to be in the air she had to be moving she started walking she needed to be going somewhere doing something Travis, my kids knew
0: sign language, she knew sign language before she could talk, right? And I hooked this rope up to this little car she sat in all day long, and I started swinging it around in the driveway. And yes. the, the video is so scary. Like I watch it now, in the moment it felt right, but the video is scary. She's <laughs> yeah, she's in this little car, and she's going, to, she has to be hitting 30, right? Spinning <laughs> her, spinning her, and then stop, and it's on video, and the first thing she does is
2: put her fingers together, which is more. More, 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 more. Yeah. <laughs> so, same, same thing, um, but with, with Addy, our oldest, the second, no matter what's going wrong, she smiles as it goes more sideways as the, 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 the as it steps out as she over jumps. Our youngest, she was the happiest baby. But if you threw her in the air, she would start crying. Uh-huh. She's always saying, Slow down. Our oldest is more, more, more faster, faster, faster. Our youngest since day one. Like, like, they raised them the same, I think. Like, slower, don't like heights, don't want to go fast, Let's, I want to drive with mom, you know. Dude, of, kind of exact thing, which is- same story.
0: Just last night, driving the minivan home on the 101, and I got fucking Lincoln
2: saying go faster and Delta saying slow down. So, interestingly enough, our oldest, the crazy one, never gets hurt. She's always right. flying through the air and she tumbles and she just rolls with the punches. Our youngest one doesn't do hardly anything. and when she <laughs> she was sliding down the steps and she got scared so she, but then she she put all her feet out and everything and the thing ended up flipping and she saw, shes like, that's why I don't do this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? If you, <laughs> you panic that's, that's not you. you're you're right. If you panic, your worst fears will come true.
0: First of all, I, I can't stand Formula One. I've never had an interest in it, but I watched this Netflix, Netflix. Formula One show.
2: Have you seen it? <laughs> well, dude, I have always been like such a big F1 fan. All of a sudden the Netflix came out and everyone's talking, oh yeah, did you see this? And I'm like, it's about freaking time, America. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm that guy. I'm the poser for sure. I was like, I don't know. They never pass, blah, 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 whatever. Phenomenal. And then I I said to my wife, I'm like, I got to get Lincoln in a cart like yesterday or she can never be in route to being a Formula (laughs) One driver. And then I played the whole thing out and I was like, God, I'd be so proud. And then I thought, what if my fucking daughter died in some fucking ridiculous hobby? I kind of forced, not even forced. She just would act interested because she loves me, probably. I can't tell when she's doing something for me yeah. or she loves it. I, how, how can I know? And I just thought, fuck, is that the path I want to put her on? So you have a daughter. She would definitely be the heir apparent. She could probably be the best female motorcycle rider of all time. What are your thoughts about that? Could you see her go through all the injuries you've gone through?
2: As a father, people say, what do you want your kids to do? I said, whatever makes them happy. There's no amount of money in the world worth going through the injuries that I've done, but I would have paid every single dime, every dollar, given up everything to have had the opportunity to live the life that I have because I love it. So whatever they're passionate about, and I hope it's not motocross. I hope it is cars. (laughs) Cars are getting safer and safer. Both of my daughters, I want them to be competent on a motorcycle, but I hope they don't Love it as much it. as I did.
0: <laughs> yeah. Something just crossed my mind because you're so immersed in X Games and all this different branding stuff. Do they tell you like, stay away from that shit and aim everyone back I mean, over here? I
2: mean, at the end of the day, like kind of now my job is, you know, and going through boot campaign and stuff and trying to figure out what the head injury when everyone's think to come out in football. I said, okay, like, let's, let's figure out how, you know, there's guys that knock themselves out almost every night. They just sting their head. I'm like, okay, so is this serious? Is it not so like, you know, as someone that's giving them the opportunity to do it to themselves and to travel around the world, living a dream, like when do we have to say, you know, because doctors be like, oh yeah, they look, they look okay, but no, this I know him, like well, he's
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, yeah, he's yeah.
2: not all right, or she's not all right, or whatever. So trying to figure out what is good or bad, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, it's very weird, right, to transition. Oh, shit, someone here has got to be the parent. And and that's now me, which is such a weird yep. role. I'm so I'm not used to that, but I got to take that on because that is the role now.
2: Yeah, so the the Moore brothers, they were quad racers, and they went and they started winning X Games. Both of them are now gold medals, but um, Caleb ended up passing away. Like, he got up and walked out, but just the internal, just because it's so heavy. Yeah. And there's been a couple in freestyle motocross. My thing right now is, trying to get where, you know, kind of like NASCAR put in safer barriers after Earnhardt. Like you're never going to get away from the potential, but let's make it so that you get away with 90% more. Yeah, the jumps are going to be bigger. You're going to go faster. You're going to be stronger. You're going to do more stuff, but let's make the landing so you can roll out of it a little bit, you know?
0: Well, so you've, I think, and I don't know the history of it so well, but you've pioneered a couple things, right? So the foam pit, I at least I had never seen the foam pit. So, so he started practicing where he, practice these amazing backflips and shit and lands in this enormous container full of foam
2: squares. Did you make that up? Kerry Hart, actually, Oh, him and the guys at Woodward. Woodward is a camp, started on the East coast. Now it's all over the world. They even have them at Hard Rock hotels and stuff now, but uh, basically they have all the best athletes and the most progressive training facilities. So they started out with gymnastics, they have so many Olympians that go through there and then they moved to skateboards and BMX and they took all the gymnastics stuff and basically rolled it out over to that oh. stuff. Oh,
0: uh, really quick, Monica's a state champion cheerleader. So just, I want yes. you to know so, she's- So
1: I've tumbled into a foam pit many times. Two
0: time state champ over here. So you guys are both champs. <laughs> I haven't won, I've never
2: won anything. Yeah, we're the Second same. place we're the same. BMX racing, that's my time. Okay, well, technically this is gonna be a hard left, but <laughs> cheer, so I am now a cheer dad. <gasps> Oh, dude, I I tell you what, though, I've been throwing our girls in the air since day one. And, you know, they can do backflips. So my uh, my oldest daddy, uh, she's a flyer. Yeah. Um, she wasn't as flexible as she needed to be right away to get in there, but she's been working hard. And they're Aww. like, well, you're you're light. You're like the youngest one on the team and you can do backflips, so.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much all <laughs> Come on you over. need,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I thought I was training her to be like uh, an acting sports athlete, but I was really just training her to be a flyer and cheer, so. Oh my gosh, it's the
1: best, it's a fun
0: world. <laughs> yeah, did you, I assume you watched Cheer on Netflix? Because I watched it and I was like, this is crazy. They're not taking any of the precautions that football does. And these girls are getting concussions like for a season. <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't anyone give a shit about these girls? Like, put a fucking helmet on while you train. I don't know. Stay tuned for more armchair experts, if you dare. We are supported by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can do much more than build a website. You can also sell custom merch. Guys, this is what we do on Squarespace. We have a merch team, and we offer it all on a website beautifully built by Wabiwab on Squarespace. Simply design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you. With Squarespace, it doesn't matter what you sell, physical goods, digital products, services, they have all the tools you need to start selling online. Just take one of their professional website templates, then customize the look, update the content, and add features to fit your unique needs. You can make any Squarespace template do what you want so you can stand out online on any device. For a free trial, just head to squarespace.com dax. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code dax to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain we are supported by sleep number sleep is so important for your overall health and well-being and if you don't get enough of it there could be some serious negative impacts so how do you make sure you get some quality rest well it starts with a good mattress like the sleep number smart bed it was designed for your one-of-a-kind ever-evolving sleep needs so you can take your sleep to the next level Boy, I got to tell you, having just traveled back and forth to India and skipped 12 time zones, I get reminded of how absolutely imperative good sleep is. Oh,
1: it's so necessary. You
0: cannot even feel like a human being if you're not. (laughs) The best part about Sleep Number is you can easily adjust your firmness. And while you sleep, Sleep Number smart beds automatically respond and adjust to your movements throughout the night. It's heaven. And if you want to improve your health and well-being, Sleep Number is where you should start. Sleep Number smart beds can show your ideal sleep and wake-up schedule and the best times for activities like working out and winding down. Sleep next level with a Sleep Number smart bed. It's the only bed that lets you adjust each side to your ideal firmness and comfort. Your Sleep Number SETI. Only at Sleep Number Store or SleepNumber.com. We are supported by HelloFresh. You know, there are days when it's really hard to decide what to eat. You stare blankly into the fridge for what feels like hours with no success, and you end up hangry. Well, I've got a solution. HelloFresh, they deliver fresh ingredients and chef-curated recipes straight to your home. And they even take care of the meal planning.
1: I love it because I always text Callie, what should I eat for dinner?
0: Okay, you ask her a lot. Uh,
1: yeah, because I get stressed and overwhelmed. And she doesn't know. And so HelloFresh is so great if I have it because then it's all there. I don't have to make any decisions. Well, what
0: did you get into last night?
1: Ooh, last night I had a, you know I love prosciutto.
0: Mm-hmm. I Who had doesn't?
1: A, that was so good. I had a prosciutto-wrapped chicken, and it had a truffled chive <sighs> mashed potatoes and Ooh. a lemony broccoli. It was delicious.
0: Oh, my goodness. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DAXFREE and use the code DAXFREE for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life. Available for a limited time at HelloFresh.com slash DAXFREE with the code DAXFREE. Okay, so the foam pit, so you started practicing into the foam pit. Now you have these humongous inflatable airbag landing ramps. Where'd those
2: come from? So, well, foam is a petroleum product. Motorcycles have a really hot exhaust pipe. And the biggest problem is when you land upside down, no matter what you turn off, gas pours out. And then the static electricity lights it.
0: Oh my God. So have you witnessed this?
2: Yes. So the Red Bull foam pit burnt down. There's been a lot of them that have, have gone up in flames. Ooh. To make it safer, we started going to airbags. Now, airbags, it's a softer landing. You don't get stuck upside down with gas pouring on you and potentially lit on fire with dislocated shoulder or whatever. My mom broke her neck into our foam pit. No. So she was the first, um, mm. she was fine. She was fine. Oh, 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 hold was, on, was hold, a, on hold on.
0: What was, was my hairl- hairline
2: <laughs> fracture? <laughs> oh,
0: that's why I'm surprised you even mentioned it.
2: <laughs> but now, even with the triple backflip and stuff, um, we had to figure out a way to take the, the bag from a flat bag. The landing bag uh, helps so you can actually get a feel of where the landing is going to be. And, um, cause when it's flat, you have to over rotate or under rotate, depending on what direction you're spinning or whatnot. So the more we can make it towards the landing, the better. And now with BMX going to the Olympics and you have all the snowboarding and everything else, every Olympic, like the countries were coming to Nitro Circus after we figured that thing out with the triple and they were like, okay, how did you make a, a bag? <laughs> that was a landing bag. Like how does, how does it go? Yeah. Structurally
0: down? that's gotta be quite challenging. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't too challenging, but it's just when you haven't seen it before, it hasn't been done. And just in the last two years, the progression of the safety of of like the bag jump bags and all the other companies that are coming out, they're so good. And we realized we didn't need as as deep as we thought we did. Like you just need, it's like when you're doing a bench press or something and like, you know, someone puts a pinky on there and it gets the rest of the way. Um, You you don't, you don't need a lot to protect you from a, a really bad injury. The only problem with the landing bags is the head because your your body, if as long as everything's tucked in, you can drop from pretty high if you're you know landing fairly flat on your stomach or your back. You know, if you put a limb out, you're gonna break it. And your head usually gets slapped pretty hard to the bag. So like motocross had a really low kind of CTE probability and that kind of stuff, because usually if you hit your head hard enough to be knocked out, you had something else that was broken. So what we found was that the safer that we're making it for your body is actually making it potentially more problems down the road because you'll crash a jump nine, 10, 20 times, and you'll be able to keep getting back up. And you generally crash the trick the same way. So it hits the same spot. Everything that you think you're doing better, you always have a consequence on the other side.
0: Yeah, your body's an equation and you're like, yeah, you're bolstering one end and then now this is a weak point. Okay, so. You're just an all-time legend. You've also built this incredible empire. You're winning X Games. You're fucking jumping and flipping everything you could possibly do. And then you create a TV show, Nitrous Circus, with a lot of the jackass folks. And the pilot, if I recall, and I told you about this, Monica, one time, you almost threw up. The pilot... (laughs) You meet Travis on this show. He's in an airplane up in the air and he says, hey, I'm Travis Pastrana and this is Nitro Circus. He's in board shorts and no fucking shirt and he jumps out of an airplane. Oh my God. And do I have that right? I I, I, I I mean, it was kind of pass or
2: fail. Those tests were always the best. It was actually, it was a Red Bull (laughs) test. You know, they said it gives you wings. I was just checking it out.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I'm watching that and this is the first time I've now been put in the seat of like a mother where I'm like, No, no, and no. (laughs) I love Travis Pastrana. He is a motorsports phenom. I don't need him jumping out of a fucking airplane with no parachute. He just dives out of the airplane and then he meets another dude in the air (gasps) and then he puts on a fucking uh, parachute and then opens it and lands safely.
2: Yeah, and you can't practice this. Yeah, well- so I'm not a great skydiver. Like I I got my A oh my license, God. which is like your beginner license. That's like your uh, your learner's permit. I mean, I get around fine. I, it, it's like one of those things. You like, can fall out there. with the best of them. Yeah. I mean, that's the best part about base jumping and skydiving. The second you step off the bridge or building or plane, you're going as fast as anyone else can go. So, you know, you're already that's up true. to speed. Uh, you just got to figure it out from there. But so I jumped out. And I tried to get away from these guys. I was doing everything that I could to basically play tag assuming that they were it and I was trying to run. And they basically tackled me out of the sky and they just hooked up to the rock climb hardest.
0: Okay, so the, the guys, that are guys or girls, whoever chased after you in the air, I, I presume hopefully
2: they were some of the best in the world at skydiving. I found a military guy and I figured, you know, military, they never leave a man behind. So like, uh, I, I should be all right, we'll be great. So he was I special mean, force. I mean, the words <laughs> you're saying make sense,
0: but at the same time they don't. Uh, <laughs>
2: Oh, I, I get, like, I I'm
0: like, yeah, I can jump up because the military's never left a guy behind. Well, okay, yeah, that is a true statement, but this does not I don't know that it applies here. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I just remember i remember thinking, okay, you, you found my threshold. I now am mad at you because I want you to stay alive because I love watching you do shit, but I don't want you jumping out of fucking airplanes. All of them are scary. But within there, if you love this stuff, and I do, there's all this strata of actual danger, right? So these wingsuits are so fucking dangerous. What's that? So they get in these suits and they have, you know, kind of wings from your wrist down and they jump off a mountain and they fly. Oh. And they can go really, really, really fast. It, it, yeah. yeah.
2: It's like a flying squirrel, but they, the problem is, not problem, it, they proximity fly because you could fly right down the mountains um, through tunnels. through. I mean, it's amazing. And the precision that these guys have, uh, wow. that's where my wife drew the line. So I was starting to think about, she goes, look, you always have to do it a little bit more, a little bit further. She's like, you don't practice enough to be competent enough that this makes sense. And I I fully agree, but you can do things safely. The problem is most of the people that are risk takers that are doing that, that are going to be proximity flying. You're not going to say, Hey, I'm not going to go further or closer next time. I'm not going to go faster next time. I'm not going to push myself harder. And eventually with that, it's not, you know, you don't break a wrist.
0: When you find the limit. It's too late. Yeah. I mean, one of those yes. guys disintegrated his <gasps> friend. They were flying and they were going to fly through these cables of a bridge. All these people had gathered to watch. One guy caught a cable and literally dematerialized. There was nothing left of this guy. Oof.
2: So one of my best friends, Eric Groner, he was always kind of our voice of reason. Like he was father of two kids, his wife, Annika, like, just an amazing family, amazing human being. He was a skier, basically, was his main thing. But Shane McConkey, who also passed away, was from the same area. And they started ski base jumping and that kind of stuff. And out of all the stuff that Eric Rohner did and all the stuff that Shane McConkey did, they both died on things that I'm not saying they're routine, but they were very, very minimal risk. So that put things in perspective for me to say, like, hey, sometimes things just go wrong. Yeah. And when you're, when you're in those sports, it doesn't really matter how good you are. If you're pushing yourself, if something goes wrong that's outside of your control, McConkie has skied and his binding didn't unclip. Right? Yeah. Now,
0: the, here's a question I have for you because I'm regularly in situations where it's a track day, we're all riding and that dude crashes, you know? And I'm like, You know, you go through this whole thing. It's like, oh, he just crashed. Okay, that could happen to me. And then you basically have a talk with yourself of why that doesn't pertain to you. And I wonder what your talk is. So mine is generally like, oh, that guy's younger. He's got more to prove than me. He's willing to ride over his talent level. And and I generally think at 45, I know where my talent level is and I stay just under it. But that's also horseshit. Right. Uh, 100%. Frame. <laughs> so what do you tell yourself when you've had friends or peers who have died or been, you know, dramatically injured uh, doing virtually what you do? What, what do you tell yourself?
2: No, I mean, it's kind of what you said. It's like thinking of your kids riding motorcycles. You're like, well, they're probably going to break a bone if they continue doing this, but it's not going to be today. <laughs> I mean, right, right, I mean, right, right, right. In your yeah. head, yeah, 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 it's not today. I know I'm going to get hurt eventually in this, but not, not today. Yeah, you're right. You, you know. know the numbers. Like, I tell
0: this to people who want to learn to ride a motorcycle who live in LA. I'm like, well, you're going to get hit by cars. Like, that's that's just, I've been doing it for it's 20, 25 years here, I've been hit by two cars and that's coming. So, you know, do you want to learn if you're not good at it? Is this where you want to learn? Where, you, you know, even if you're great, you're going to get
2: hit by cars. It's risk reward. But every time one of my friends, especially like his, We've all had a bad injury. And so many of my friends are like, oh, that's it. I'm done. I will never do this again. I'm getting a real job. And, you know, maybe a year, maybe five years goes by. And then they come right back. And right about the time that they're going, this is so awesome. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm on fire. Two minutes later, they're, they're getting ambulanced out. So, you know, oh. you gotta, every time I'm feeling like I'm having a really great day, that's like, we never say one last time. Now I'm like, you know what? No, nope, we're good enough.
0: So that kind of happened to you, right? So you left the X Games for a minute. You didn't compete in freestyle for a few years, right? You took a few years off.
2: Uh, yeah, basically racing cars. So X Games started with me. I stopped racing motocross basically and went more just strictly to freestyle. And uh, we had Nitro Circus starting up and we were traveling around the world with our best friends. You know, we met up with Giant Knoxville. They got a show on MTV. All of a sudden we got a live tour that's going on. I'm like, this is great. Like, you know, I love X Games. But every time I went there, it was like, I'm either going to be carted out of here. Or I'm leaving here with a medal or
0: on a stretcher.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be either gold or it's going to be on the stretcher. So not the <laughs> yeah. best attitude to have, but I was able to kind of start where this Nitro Circus and we traveled around the world and I had all my best friends. And that's where I went my my wife. She was the only skater that could do uh, the Gigantoramp, which is, you know, the big vert thing. And she's doing 540s. And like, generally, there's not a lot of girls that can go out to a motocross track all day, we always forget to bring any food or water or anything, it's hot or dirty and we're loving life. And most girls are like, yeah, no, this is not, this is not where I parked my car, this is not my scene. So yeah. when I found Lindsay, I was I was pretty stoked and just a really awesome human being.
0: Yeah, it's pretty special you guys found each other. Okay, so you're an entrepreneur. Did you think you would be? Have you always had an interest? So really quick to for anyone who wouldn't know, like Tony Hawk took this thing, he was a skateboarder. He was with Paul Peralta. He had a clothing line. He then had a board. Then he had this. Then he had a video game. You know, he was really, really good at building a humongous brand around that sport. And you've done the exact same thing. It,
2: were you setting out to do that? No. I mean, I just basically went off what my dad said and said, have as much fun as you possibly can every day. If it's not what you love to do, then it's not worth doing. So basically, I took all the wrong business decisions. Every time that I had money over here and I had what I wanted to do over there, I always went with that. Every time I had, like for instance, what I'm most known for is probably doing a double backflip at X Games. But you gotta think of this. So I still have kind of a motocross, supercross career potentially that that I can do. That's where I'll probably make the most money. I wanna go to car racing. And i've spent almost every dime that i made to that point trying to chase this stream thinking that i can i can drive cars and it ended up working out but colin mcrae who is uh, one of the greatest rally drivers of all time comes over he's world champion comes over to the united states which we're known as not very good drivers even though i feel the nascar guys are absolutely amazing in indycar they just don't have a lot of respect on the world stage for yeah. whatever reason so when colin comes over It's my third year in in rally. No one even knows I'm driving cars. I spent every dime I've had trying to do this. And I get out there and I'm sitting second, one-tenth of a second behind world champion, legend Colin McRae. And with one stage left to go, I have best trick. So in between the rally stages and the final stage for X Games is moto best trick. I'm sitting third place with the trick that I had and I'm eight for 10 in the foam pit. I know if I crash, like I'm probably breaking my neck and I have my whole rally team there. I have my future that I've just spent everything that I've had trying to get into rally, knowing that I've already have a medal here. And what do I do? I just, I say, you know what? I'm going, I'm not going to regret not trying this. And I'm glad I did, it worked out, it worked great. This (laughs) is, you could not
0: write this scenario, (laughs) right? Like that is so wild. Okay, now building the business. So you take Nitro Circus and you travel the
2: world. You do like arenas, am I right about that? Yeah, I mean, down in South Africa, we're uh, putting on shows with 50,000 people, sellout stadiums. 50,000? Yeah. Here, I mean, we're mostly like smaller, like MGM, Grand Arena, that kind of stuff. We did the O2 Arena in London. We sold it out two nights in a row, stuff like that. We went over to Australia and like Brisbane, Adelaide. We can usually do three to four nights, complete sellouts of 15,000 a night, which is, you know, but that culture down there, New Zealand, Australia, and Western Canada too, honestly, is just more more action sports.
0: Yeah, I I was shooting a movie in New Zealand. I was like, I think I should have lived here. It's awesome. You can drive a jet boat on this little
2: course. And they just put you in, just way too much horsepower. (laughs) And then Street Bike Tommy, another guy who has absolutely no business being in anything. They gave him like, (laughs) literally he's doing like a hundred on this little (laughs) jet
0: boat. You're going 100 miles an hour and the track is ending in nine feet. And the guy's not lifting.
2: No, you and have to then, give it more throttle. That's where Street Bike Tommy, he went in at 100, let go of the throttle, and we kept going straight. Oh, and oh, the problem oh. is you flip onto land. So it's a field, and they cut these little water trenches. Yeah. But when you start crashing, you flip onto the oh field. Oh, my God. Yeah, in a boat. <laughs> yeah, you're, in a,
0: you're in a boat barrel rolling. <laughs> yeah, and then, the uh Monica, the guy's going 100, and the track is ending, like I say, in a, a couple dozen feet. And he just fucking whips the steering wheel 180, floors it even more, and you are like that going the other direction.
1: Oh, whoa. It's
0: the most surreal. It, you, it, yeah, it doesn't feel possible what happens in those yeah. things.
2: Yeah, and when we were driving, it was not possible.
0: <laughs> How many shows a year does Nitro Circus put out in live shows?
2: Well, this year, none. No. Oh, <laughs> no. Right, right, yeah, yeah. We were up to about 70 shows a year. And just trying to figure out the business plan. What's interesting, because when you're touring, it depends on... If you can do more than one night in the same arena, Yeah, it's, it's it gets good.
0: profitable, yeah.
2: So you have to go through and establish what Nitro Circus is. So anywhere that we had a TV show, people knew the name Nitro Circus. Like Australia, New Zealand, like we were, we came out with a movie. It got like, I don't know, two, 2% on Rotten Tomatoes here in the US and no one even knew it was out. And in Australia, we were second <laughs> to the, the Born Ultimatum. Um, you know, so like, <laughs> there's not that many people over there, but still.
0: <laughs> so without trying to count your money for you, which I, it is a hobby of mine, what percentage of your income is Nitro Circus traveling live? Like, are you nervous about how long it may be before you can do that?
2: Yeah, so what's really interesting was, so we had kind of the world championships for the big air of action sports. If X Games and the Olympics are, you know, kind of the standardized ramps, let's make it fair across the board. Nitro Circus is how big can we go? How far can we fly? And let's make the landings a little bit safer so we hopefully don't have anyone get injured kind of deal. Everyone's yeah. like, it's not legit, it's to an airbag. It still hurts, and yes, they're now doing two more flips than anywhere else in the world
0: yeah i I could give a shit about that we 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 yeah. just I was showing her some clips of your stuff uh before we talked to you, and I saw a bunch of airbag landings where I was still absolutely mind blown that's yeah. that's horse
2: yeah, but I mean so each their own our goal is to to push the limits and to to do it as safely as possible, but wales this year was gonna be the first time we had it outside of Salt Lake City, and that was canceled. We had 70 shows that are now probably end up doing 20. It's not a good time to be in live entertainment. Yeah. And now with a Nitro Rallycross, so I'm kind of leading the Nitro Rallycross charge, which is actually building uh, my own facility just to prove that we can have huge jumps, that we can do it safely. But I want to be able to have full control, creative control over the track. And I want to have the best drivers out there building a track that challenges the drivers. Because we found a Nitro Circus not to take a step out, but when the athletes are having fun, the crowd's having fun. You could do the exact same show, you could do a better show, but if the energy of the athletes aren't there, it doesn't come across. And not seeing the NASCAR and all these sports, they're, they're amazing, but they're so focused on winning. I want to bring it back where they're actually a little scared of the track. There, you got Talladega rights and left. We got huge jumps. You got to time stuff. Now you're, instead of just thinking, I want to win, you're thinking, I'm scared. So just more challenging, hopefully more fun. That's the goal. But so I'm kind of spearheading that. And uh, so Ken Block, who's also trying to build up Rallycross and trying to figure out how to make this go bigger, he doesn't want to, not to say he doesn't want to do anything, but he's like, I've done every huge stunt I've ever dreamt of. And I feel like if I do anything else, I'm going to die. Like yeah, kind of yeah, that yeah, thing that yeah, you're yeah, thinking, yeah. you know, like, what more can I do? So he passed the torch to me this year. So Jim Connell, which, you know, is one of the... I mean, they shut down the Golden Gate Bridge. They shut down the 10-101 the freeway for him to drift around and do no, these No, it's he insane. Jumps. He destroyed uh, so uh,
0: Universal. The entire studio was fucked up with tire marks. I was working there, <laughs> and I got to work after, like, the weekend after they shut it down. And this And The whole place was rubber. And I'm like, what happened here? Oh, Ken thing I oh
2: But it, really good times. So my goal is to build... Rally
0: up. Can you have all the best rally drivers in the world plus Dak Shepherd in this thing?
2: Yeah. Sign up, man. Let's make it happen. So
0: let's advertise there's all the best drivers in the world. It's is an okay driver,
2: Dak Shepherd. That's exciting. The electric cars coming out, zero to sixteen under a second. No. And they're gonna they're thinking about doing not minivans, but like small SUVs wow. is yeah. what all the companies are asking for. Like, can you imagine a, like a minivan doing zero to 60 in <laughs> under a second? That's like as fast as a drag car, <laughs> R-wheel drive. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah,
0: you're probably pulling like four Gs if you <laughs> go under a yeah. second. No, that's,
2: that, that's it. It's amazing. <laughs> My goal is to continue progressing the sport, continue having fun. I feel like if I'm passionate about it, if I love it, then everything that I'm investing is even if it doesn't succeed, it's still been an amazing life. And it's still showing my kids, not that I work per se, but you know, you're, yeah. you're up early, you're traveling, you're always working, you're working hard at-
0: Hardly working, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's it. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> Now, if I'm being too nosy, tell me, but if you, you had your pie, it's all the money you make in, in the year. What is from your endorsements? Is that the bulk of what you make? Or is it the Nitro Circus Touring Show? Or is it something else I don't even know about?
2: no it's probably sponsors and that kind of stuff so my wife always has a very difficult time even though she's in the same thing like she skates to win or to so she's looking at what it's going to gain you know and she's a mom now and there's a lot she won the world championship uh last year 2019 at 30 years old so it was like a half wow. lifetime since she won at the time before so i'm so so proud of my wife yeah. but I, I was going down and i was filming this video and i put in eight hundred thousand dollars of my own money which didn't get pretty much any of it back because the <laughs> industry is just not big enough to really support that just because I was chasing these jumps and these tricks and Lindsay's like, what Like, what are you doing? Like, this is our, our kids' college fund. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking
0: circus being married to you. It's not just the sports. It's also like, no, I'm gonna become a NASCAR driver and blow X amount of money.
2: Oh. Everyone's like, why did you quit NASCAR? I'm like, literally I wasn't good enough and I ran out of money, so.
0: I did want to but, ask you one question about that. <laughs> I've had this experience where I'm like, fuck, being craziest isn't good enough.
2: Yeah, that that was NASCAR. So imagine this, you race motocross your whole life or freestyle, you can take that little extra risk. You can, so for those of you who don't know, like in a whoop section, it's like a whole bunch of bumps that you have to touch your front and back tire to every single one or you flip over the handlebars. But you can shift up, close your eyes, wheelie and make a whole second. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but you can make a second every lap through the whoops if you just are willing Crazy. to roll the dice. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So there's always that. And then like rally, it's snowing. There's a hundred foot cliff on the right side, trees on the left.
0: So if you you'll take on more risk, you can be faster.
2: Right, but if the walls weren't there and it was a cone, everyone would be doing that corner a second faster. Yeah. But because there is the potential, a lot of guys slow it down. That's where I can usually step up and say, look, I know that this is my ability level and I can make up time if I need to push there. Um, so with NASCAR, with any pavement, really, you can't make up time by being crazier.
0: You have to be a technician. Yeah, you, you can't get in trouble. You have to be a computer. You have to drive. You have to break at the exact same point every single time. And you got, you know, it's a, it's very technical.
2: I was like a... 10th to 13th place, NASCAR nationwide driver. But I crashed a lot more than I should have because when you're running 10th to 13th place, two hours into the race, you're thinking there's nine guys that are going faster than me. Like, obviously I should be going faster. (laughs) So you just kind of run out of patience. Like, you know, that's as fast as you get. Jimmy Johnson once said, he said, if you think you're going slow, you are. If you think you're going fast, you're not. And if you think you could have possibly gone a little quicker, you couldn't. It took me <laughs> a year to figure that out. Somebody
1: uh,
0: ponder that. Yeah, point. I mean, it doesn't even make sense, but I'm sure it does <laughs> intuitively somehow. Okay, Robbie Madison, that guy's special, right? I think he did something that no one really did. I think he made an art form out of this. Like I, I showed my wife the one where he rode a motorcycle in the ocean. And this motherfucker rode a dirt bike out wow. into the ocean and rode a wave. There's some art form of his or some elegance to him that's so special.
2: Well, what's awesome about Matto is Matto was a top racer. He raced with Chad Reed. Like he was one of the best amateur motocrossers that really came out of Australia. And then he gets into freestyle and he's like, man, I just, I have so much more fun doing this. And then he has a couple really bad injuries and he's chasing this and he, he was at one point the best, but he never won like the X games because he always got hurt or something came up. So he started working on, he's like, what am I passionate about? you know he has you know a wife and a couple kids now and it's funny because he's actually taking on not more risk per se but things that seem like more risk he jumped the well arky triumph he did unbelievable but he takes the time so he'll do one stunt a year and when he dropped into the wave like he drops into jaws on a dirt bike riding off the back of a barge hits this and he's got a full riding gear and everything you're like oh gosh like You're going to drown if you fall off the mic. And he did crash. He was good. But everything that he does now, he's very methodical. You usually don't get hurt doing the stuff that's the craziest because you've thought of everything through. And he really gives it the time to make sure that he's dotted all of his I's and crossed all his T's. And that's why Matto is so successful.
0: But he is in situations where you can't inch towards your goal. So the Arc to Triumph stunt. What's he going to build 65 Arc de Triumphs on his way up to that level where he finally jumps that high and lands? Like at some point, there's a leap of faith. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Maybe there's a way to inch up.
2: <laughs> what are you promoting currently? For me, just we're just trying to get a little bit more support for basically, I'm starting the track because I want to stay home in Maryland more. I've been traveling so much. And especially now during this quarantine, I think, man, I have so much time with my family that yeah. I would have never gotten back. And this is. This is the first time ever I've gotten a routine with my wife and I mean, we're still skating and riding and stuff, but we're doing it here at home. And you know, homeschooling was a little difficult with, Uh, uh, with the two kids. I was so bad at it, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I was the PE teacher. So Lindsay took most of of the home (laughs) stuff, so that that was okay. Just making do the fun stuff that I always wanted to do anyway. But what I really got out of this and what I really want to do is push action sports. So many people want to come over and they want to learn backflips. They want to do stuff. And I believe we can help people do this stuff safer. We can help the next generation come up. I mean, right now, video games are taking over the world, which is great, but kids aren't getting outside as much. And for me, like I grew up outside. I love being outside. My kids love go-karts. They love BMX. They're always doing something, you know, trampolines. So I want to build this park where my wife, um, she works with Women's Sports Foundation and she can help coach kids and my kids can come out there. We can go-kart. So went down this huge road, spent quite a bit of money trying to figure out the closest spot to my house that we could build this. Amazing facility that I could just work side by side with my wife that we weren't going to be touring as much, but that would still help Nitro Circus and really help show what this rally cross track could be and help the Olympic training facility where we're bringing some of the top athletes from all around the world to come train there, which is, I think it'd be fun for the community. But there's a Queen Anne's conservative association, which is Queen Anne's County. They're basically a political activist group that is an anti-growth group. And they have a lot of money and they could not get one single person in the town of Seltersville, Maryland to oppose this. Everyone in the town wants it. But really? They found seven people over in their county that were willing to go and they're filing every single thing they can file and basically trying to prolong this so we can't break ground for two, three years. Oh. So if you live on the Eastern shore,
1: <laughs> I, well,
2: <laughs> well, at the end of the day, like, I think it's going to be an awesome thing for the community, for the state, and and hopefully for for the United States in general, where you have all these other you know athletes coming in, not from all, all over the train, world, all yeah. them to come kick our butts. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully uh, they'll lax up on this, and we'll we'll get the message out that it's you know not building a motocross track is going to be all dusty. We're we're working with electric. We're trying to keep the noise down. I want to work within the town, but I just want to stay home with my family.
0: Let me ask you, because I'm an addict and a recovering one, and so I love drugs and I love all this stuff. I think there's an HBO Sports I watched on it. There's a very high rate of dudes in extreme sports that end up being meth addicts or opiate addicts. I would imagine both the needing the thrill at all times would make you a nice candidate for that, and then all these surgeries. What's been your relationship with, like, opiates and all that stuff?
2: Luckily for me, opiates make me sick. Like, I hate, like, after you come out of anesthesia, like. I'd rather tolerate the pain. So I guess that's a blessing for the sports that we do for sure. Most of the action sports guys that I know that have gone down that road, it's been their back or they have something, a, a disc or something that just nags and they can't sleep. So they start with the sleeping pills. And then when they start taking the sleeping pills, something clicks, something goes off. And then it's the the opiates and the sleeping pills or it's the the alcohol. and And then the concussions on top of that. It's not a good mix for sure. And then plus, one of the hard things is like one of my cousins is actually the only smart guy in our family. Uh, He's a (laughs) teacher. (laughs) And uh, he goes, I want to see like the 60 minutes on you guys, like at the end of like when we're about to die, when they do something on like the generation, the last of the like the crazy daredevil generation. (laughs) Yeah. Like what happens to you guys when you have kids like my wife, for instance, when she was 16, she was a snowboarder and a skater. And she stayed with a 17 year old that was making million dollars a year and his brother and like a couple other people that are between the ages of 14 and 17, 17 was the oldest kid in the house, staying at, living at Mammoth Mountain, you know, but you're making all this money, traveling the world, best friends, you know, they find the parties, they find all this stuff, everything comes to them so easily. And then at 25, you're beat up, you're hurt, you're really, you can't even stand up, your knees are. Jacked up. You couldn't even get a job at McDonald's because you like standing all that time. You just can't physically do it. And then all of a sudden, you're finding what minimum wages and what construction paychecks are. And this is your lifestyle is so different. And then the only way to get that adrenaline rush because you're not all of a sudden, you're not being able to afford the motorcycles and the cars and the, the fun times. And that's kind of where that depression, the, the no sleeping, and then the, the I need some way to get that feeling back. So, in my opinion, that's what I've seen.
0: Well, that's the thing that leads to the depression. You have camaraderie and you're in a community and then you leave that community when you stop doing that sport. And that's like these football players, they all get depressed and they don't miss the money and they don't miss fame. They miss the camaraderie. I
2: agree hundred percent with that.
0: Do you drink? Yes. Okay, good. Only do you, drink.
2: Do you drink a lot? <laughs> um, you know, when you fill up the little doctor's things. <laughs> do, yeah, yeah, do, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like do, one beer a week, five beers a week alcoholic you're like there's gotta, be, there's gotta be something in between this
0: oh that's so funny i
1: just had to answer that question recently and i always lie
2: oh you do i
1: do i don't want to but i'm like
2: <laughs> yeah you don't want to say you drink six week. days a week
1: yeah
2: i only drink socially <laughs>
1: yeah socially we every travel, day there's
2: a lot of airplane days so <laughs> yeah first class the booze
0: is free uh, you would be a sin to waste that <laughs> Well, Travis, you
2: rule. I want to hang out with you. We usually go on a policy that's no new friends, but I think with our (laughs) kids being the same age and us liking the same stuff, this is going to be great. All
0: right. Well, I adore you, and um, I'm excited to come to your compound. I think about it all the time. Every single time I, I look at your Instagram page, I'm like, when will I get to drive on that wooded, beautiful
2: track? It's so gorgeous. How many acres are you on? Well, the interesting thing is we had a neighbor that had 20 acres, and we had a motocross track on his property when I was like 12 and then there was a hundred acres that got broken up into 20 acre parcels. And there's one military guy and the rest of us are motocross and the military guy is awesome. So like he flies his helicopter over all, all the time. Uh-huh. So it's just for being right outside. We're 16 miles outside of the DC beltway and we are in the middle of redneck heaven. Yeah. It's wow. But you where know. you go get your groceries, do you get sweated all the time there? No, Maryland's probably the place I get recognized the least. I feel like action sports is like fight club, like, you don't speak about Fight Club. During that MGB time was a little different. Yeah, But yeah. pretty much everyone, like anyone that has a flat brimmed hat or, you know, any moto thing or Fox or whatever, yeah. you just get, you get the little nods. You get nods yeah. all the way through the airport, everywhere. When you go to sit down at a restaurant at dinner, you always have like a free drink shows up from someone. Like, yeah. not that's good. It doesn't really help the, the drinking <laughs> question that you had earlier. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like I'm in that perfect spot. Hmm.
0: All right, Travis. Well, again, I adore you. You I feel emasculated when I watch you do things. You're you're braver than I. You're more talented than I. And uh, I'm so glad we got to talk.
2: Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Next time we talk, hopefully I'll be able to actually speak. Yeah, all right, perfect,
0: perfect. <laughs> Round two where people can hear you. Bye. Hey, thanks. Travis. All right, see you. Appreciate Travis. It. Good to see you. Stay tuned for more armchair experts, if you dare. Who wants to fuss with inserting a card into a reader, or worse, into a skimmer where your card information can be stolen?
1: I wouldn't be here without Apple Pay. You wouldn't. No, none of the things I'm wearing.
0: You'd be here, but care, we'd have a lawsuit against you.
1: Perhaps. I just, I, I use it 14 times a day. And if it's not an option on what I'm buying, I often don't buy it.
0: Exact same. I'll fill a cart. I see they don't have Apple Pay. I'm out of there.
1: I know. And remember how last year on Halloween I was going to go as Apple Pay?
0: Yes, I do remember.
1: I had to scrap it last minute because I didn't plan ahead. But I still think it's a great costume. Yeah,
0: earmark it for a later I Halloween. will. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the Wallet app and you're good to go. We are supported by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? Monica, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day?
1: I want to say I would write and read my New Year's resolution.
0: Yeah, Uh, I would too. That would be the same. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities. So you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp offers convenient, affordable online therapy that comes to you. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot DAX. We are supported by Smucker's Uncrustables. Oh, do I love these. I also love a food hack, and this is a good one. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them. Pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Oh, Monica's just talking, the mic's nine feet from her. <laughs>
1: I forgot how to do this. You were just talking about watching Ocean's Eleven without me yesterday.
0: Yeah, my Ooh. young son is in town weekly, and shockingly, weekly had not seen Ocean's.
1: I cannot believe that. My- I couldn't
0: either. He's seen every movie.
1: That's a big one to leave off.
0: He said, yeah, bud, it's one of those famous movies I just have not seen. Is there any you've not seen, like really famous ones? And I couldn't think of one. Really? I don't think so.
1: There has to be. You haven't seen...
0: Oh, this is ripe for an argument over what famous is.
1: (laughs) Have you seen My Best Friend's Wedding? No. That's a very famous
0: movie. Moderately successful. Maybe like $100 million. Oh my
1: God. It's one of the most (laughs) famous romantic comedies of all time. I
0: believe you. What is it? Someone's a wedding planner?
1: No, that's The Wedding Planner.
0: Oh, didn't see that either.
1: (laughs) No, uh, My Best Friend's Wedding is... Julia Roberts mm, and... J-Rob? And Dermot
0: Mulroney. Mulroney. Yeah. Or Dylan McDermott.
1: Nope. Dermot. Okay,
0: Dermot Mulroney.
1: Yes. And they're best friends, but they have this pact that they'll eventually get married. They're kind of in love. Uh, but they have been best friends forever. And then he gets engaged. <gasps> and so she kind of tries to sabotage. Oh, it's Cameron Diaz.
0: Oh. And she
1: tries to sabotage. And um, at the end, she... She basically surrenders and they Aww. get married. It was one of the first romantic comedies.
0: Where the girl didn't get the boy?
1: Yeah, that like flipped ah. the end on its head. It is one of my top, it's up there with Ocean's Eleven.
0: Oh my gosh, really? How many times have you watched it?
1: 40,000.
0: Okay, I was, I was guessing at how many times you'd seen Ocean's. I was telling Aaron that's it's like one of your top five. And I guessed uh, 40 times.
1: 40? Yeah. Way more than that.
0: I Blum, used blah, blah, blah. to
1: I used That's to, two
0: times a year since it came out.
1: I don't think you understand how my life worked when I, I do. was in No, you don't. Okay. When I was a young gal, I would watch so much TV and movies mm-hmm. and like I would just all, every night put something on. Yeah. And generally if I was attached to something at the time, it would be the same thing for like a month. Yeah. So I watched Ocean's 11 uh, every day, for, you think like
0: forty times the first year,
1: for sure. And then I watched it on commentary, like
0: mm, mm-hmm. the
1: same amount.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> because you're a it, true fan.
1: It was it was Brad. Yep. Matt.
0: Yeah. Clone Doctor. That's right. Yeah.
1: They were all in the commentary. I loved the commentary because, like, oh my god, Goodwill Hunting commentary is Ben and Matt. Oh. I could probably recite the commentary as much as i could recite the movie wow
0: but what's your favorite part of the commentary on uh
1: <laughs> well they talk about the robin, robin but this is before robin died but they oh, they talk oh, a lot about like love mm-hmm, how yeah. they wrote it for him and that's just one part there's many good parts yeah i love the commentary so much of these movies especially these boy movies, because I felt like they were talking
0: to me. Yeah, 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 sure. I
1: felt like I was in on one of the real conversations. Right. It gave me so many PQs. Of
0: course, of course. Yeah. You were probably all a titter.
1: Big time.
0: Big time flustered.
1: Have you ever watched a commentary?
0: Oh, yeah. My favorite movie, Thief, which I've seen in excess of 200 times. Mm-hmm. I've listened to that commentary several times, but it's disappointing. It is. And I don't really want to get into why, because I would be publicly okay. shaming one of the persons involved. But mm. I just, I held the movie in, in this insane esteem. You yeah,
1: know? I'm sorry that happened to you with the commentary. Thank
0: you, thank you. I like extras too, I used to really like extras. Me I think too. I've talked down here about anyone who wants to be a filmmaker should just watch the extras on Miller's Crossing so that you can hear Barry Sonnenfeld, who was the Coen brothers DP for, I don't know, five movies, the first five movies. He gives a tutorial on lenses and what they do mm. a, and as part of this extra and it's mm. like it was like going to film school. I'm like, "Oh, I yeah. understand the lenses completely now." Yeah. That's nice. It
1: is nice. Yeah. It's nice to be so into something that you just want to consume every single element. You know what's funny um in the Sarah Marshall commentary yeah, Kristen isn't there, but she like calls in for a little portion of it. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, and that's before I knew her when I saw that.
0: Right, right. We were just newly dating at that point.
1: She was probably driving to your house.
0: Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Wow, wow. wow. <laughs> There's a funny story in there, but it's it's embarrassing to me. But tell it. Okay. <laughs> I was in Baby Mama. They they came out back to back, mm-hmm. and. Baby Mama had a date, and then Kristen said, Judd said he's, he wants that date. Same studio. Oh. And I said, well, I don't think they're going to move a Tina Fey movie off a date. Hmm. And guess what?
1: They did. <laughs> they moved the date. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It was
0: funny. I was trying to flex on behalf of Tina, and- um, I just Flex lost. By <laughs> Flex by Proxy. Flex by Proxy, yeah. It didn't pan out in my favor. It was really embarrassing. Both
1: movies are fantastic. Mm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I loved Sarah Marshall.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. It is. It's a great, great movie.
1: I, of course, it's was sweet. in love with Jason Siegel.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: He is funny. He's into Muppets.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, those are cute characteristics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Speaking of Into. Oh, I didn't
0: finish. Can I say? Uh, there oh, was yeah. one thing I was trying to say. Yeah. The Jerry Weintraub documentary is really fantastic. Mm. People should watch it. I think I think it's on HBO or Showtime. Very interesting guy. He had been the manager, I want to say, of like Led Zeppelin. He was like the Colonel Sanders of not Colonel Sanders, that's Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Colonel Parker, uh, Elvis' kind of uh, puppeteer. Oh, I don't want to say he was a puppeteer, but he was he was very involved in in Led Zeppelin's life, in Sinatra's life. He made the original Oceans with, yes. with Sinatra and Dean Martin and all these guys. And then, you know, late in his career, he puts together Ocean's Eleven with that cast, Mm. which he didn't at the time really have the kind of capital to, to do that. Does that make sense? You don't think so? Well, he hadn't had like hit movies for a long, long
1: time. But he was a, he's a legend.
0: Totally a legend. Yeah. And um, weirdly enough, I went very early on Shawna Robertson, Kristen's friend and a good friend of mine, invited me to his house in Malibu for a party. Mm. And I'm like walking around this house and it is on like 10 acres on the ocean. The house is enormous. And I'm like, what the fuck did this guy do? Why is this guy so loaded? I go to the shitter and Mm. there's like two dozen gold records in the shitter. Oh, Led Zeppelin, wow. Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, all, all these other ones. And oh I'm like, God. oh, okay, that's why this guy has a $50 million house. Anywho, the way he put together the new uh, Oceans 11 was he called Brad Pitt. Oh, yes. You know this, right? Yeah. And he said, hey, just got off the phone with George Clooney and Matt Damon. They want to make this movie. Oceans, we're going to go, and they want you in it. And Brad's like, wow, well, if they're in it, great. And then he called Clooney, and said sure. just got off the phone with Brad Pitt. and he just lied to all of them. But it worked out beautifully, and everyone had a great time. And sometimes I think that's they didn't how you
1: talk put... about it on the commentary. Oh, they didn't. No,
0: they talk about it in the Weintraub documentary. Oh. yeah, he just lied to everyone, and, but it worked. And I, you got to do that, I guess, as a producer I guess you uh, on that scale. To get that that can't be done, really. It takes a unique person to get those three top. I mean, those three were at the top of their game. Yeah, you can't get all three of them in the one. Top of he? their hotness, big time. Top of their hotness.
1: Angelia Roberts. I mean, come on. Back it, to J. Rob.
0: Yeah, uh, as is Cheadle.
1: Oh, mm, my mm, God, mm. is it a movie.
0: What a movie.
1: But speaking of niche, speaking of Muppets. Yeah. Speaking of niche.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. So, a little clunky <laughs> on the say, This transition's a little clunky. Well, I was
1: going to say, <laughs> speaking of niche things before <laughs> when it made sense. Okay. And now I have to do all this.
0: Okay, backtracking, backpedaling. Pasting together.
1: <laughs> Anywho, Travis.
0: Pastrana.
1: Ca- incredibly niche.
0: Oh, sure, sure, sure. In- eh, not not for dudes, but yes, for you, most dudes in America know who Travis Pastrana is. Even if they're not into motorsports. You
1: can know who he is and his-
0: You're right. His occupation. There's not hundreds of people making a living at his That's occupation. Right. It's very niche. It's very niche. You're right. It is very niche.
1: Yeah, you are in heaven.
0: I was in heaven and, and if this episode served no other purpose, then he and I are now communicating, <laughs> we're texting each other and as soon as COVID's over, Lincoln and I are 100% going to his compound yep. to ride razors. Yeah. I guess he'll be driving Mavericks, but we'll be driving Razors. Yeah, We're a Polaris family. He is, he's left.
1: Okay, he nobody knows side. what any of
0: these sports are. The five boys that listen to the show know what I'm talking okay, about. There's but, two different manufacturers. But, okay. of There's there's three or four manufacturers of uh, side-by-sides, UTVs. And Polaris is number one. They're the best. They're the best. Okay. They're the most reliable, best performance, everything. A competing one that's really good is Can-Am. They make a Maverick. Okay. And Travis has gone to the dark side with okay. the Maverick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Also, if you own a Maverick, I love you and I'll see you in the dunes, so no shade. But I'm a Polaris guy, okay? I bleed RZR. Okay, continue.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: Polaris, Polaris, Polaris. Okay,
1: okay, okay. okay. So, speaking of lingo that nobody knows, so a couple times you guys were talking about 125s and you said some other numbers and stuff, and you can just tell people now in case they've been waiting on bated breath to find out what that means. Well,
0: I bet they're like you, and they just filed it into white noise. Yeah, they, they have did. no interest and they don't even want an explanation, but I'll, tell, I'll give you one. Okay. So um, an internal combustion engine works on the principle that there is a piston inside of a cylinder. Okay. That piston goes up in the air and it compresses the fuel inside. Mm-hmm. And when it gets compressed, it makes it combustible. Then a spark goes off, an explosion happens, and the piston comes down. Mm-hmm. Now the volume of that cylinder is measured in cc's in motorcycles. So a 125 mm-hmm means there's 125 cc's of volume in the cylinder. Got it. And then the step up from that would be 250. So there's two different classes in motocross. Got it. Back when they were two-stroke, that's a longer conversation. But in general, the original internal combustion engines were two-stroke, meaning the piston went up and compressed. That was one-stroke. It it, it, that ignited, exploded and went down and got rid of the exhaust in one. Now the way your car engine works and now the current motorcycles is there's four strokes. There is compression, ignition, exhaust, and I'm forgetting one, but there's four processes to get the gas in and the gas out as opposed to two processes to get the gas in and out. Wow. Two strokes had this crazy power band. They were slow, and then all of a sudden, they were outrageously fast. They were hard to predict. Now, four strokes are just a very even power band. Woo! You just learned- I'm glad I asked. It was a tutorial in engine. It was. Internal that's combustion interesting.
1: Engine. You learn something new every day.
0: So, back to why it was relevant, is he was doing all of his stunts on a 125. Right. Half the displacement of the guys he was competing against. They had right. way more horsepower, yet he was still winning. That's, yeah. that's the only reason it was worth bringing up.
1: Yeah. Okay, so- The one part where my ears perked up. No, plenty of times my ears perked up. Okay. um, they got really perked when you were talking about the foam pit.
0: Oh, uh uh-huh.
1: And I obviously know so much about foam
0: pits. From your cheer background.
1: Exactly. And then he was saying that it started at Woodward Camp.
0: Which you knew about.
1: I knew that because when I was younger, my best friends, two of my best friends were gymnasts, were high-level gymnasts. Okay. And they went to Woodward camp every summer. I have to
0: imagine they had a little paper, too. It's got to be costly to go to Woodward.
1: I'm sure it's not cheap. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. I'm sure it's not cheap.
0: I hope they have a scholarship program.
1: (laughs) Me, too. Yeah. I hope so, too. I've
0: seen a couple HBO real sports about how costly, like, Little League baseball's gotten. All these different sports where, like, to be competitive, you're expected to spend the summer at one of these camps. And then the the travel team and the hotel expenses. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it could be $50,000 a year to have oh. your kid play Little League, oh which my is God. if you're a poor kid, I don't know how you compete. I know. And I don't know what the solution is. That is it like I outlaw all that crap or or scholarship. But I don't know. But it's, it's not fair.
1: I think scholarship. Yeah. Even in high school, like it's expensive for cheerleading. The uniforms, the this, the that, it, it really does add up. And if you don't have the money well you're screwed
0: the only reason i'm not in the nhl currently is we didn't have money for me to do hockey and yeah. have ice time mm. i know i would have been in the nhl oh
1: my god <laughs> i've been
0: retired 12 years ago i'd be <laughs> depressed and i'd be back on the bottle <laughs> that's the truth calling my teammates you guys want to get together
1: mm. you like oh,
0: we're busy. Mm, yeah we found management jobs <laughs> with teams and you didn't <laughs>
1: Okay. So you said that risk takers don't have as much MAO Mm. in their brain. MAO Mm. are a family of enzymes that catalyze the oxidation of monoamines, Mm. monoamines, employing oxygen to clip off their amine group. MAO A is a logical enzyme to investigate in depression because it regulates levels of all three major monoamines. Serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine
0: mm. in the brain. That's the one I always forget, Noroepinephrine. norepinephrine.
1: <laughs> you always forget norepinephrine.
0: And then she was wonderful. Oh
1: yeah, she was. Okay, because of the vital role that MAOs play in the inactivation of neurotransmitters, MAO dysfunction, too much or too little, is thought to be responsible for a number of psychiatric and neurological disorders. For example, unusually high or low levels of MAOs in the body have been associated with schizophrenia, Mm. depression, Mm. ADD, Mm. substance abuse, Mm. migraines, and irregular sexual maturation. MAOB research suggests that high sensation seeking reaches into every aspect of people's lives. Affecting engagement in risky sports, relationship satisfaction before and during marriage, taste in music, art and entertainment, driving habits, food preferences, job choices and satisfaction, humor, creativity and social attitudes.
0: Oh, wow. I got none, right?
1: You got none of those.
0: No, I mean, I don't think I have any any MAO.
1: No, no, no. That's I haven't said yet the correlation, but that's just saying those are high sensation seeking people, which clearly you are. All right. Okay. Compared with low sensation seekers, high sensation seekers are more likely to smoke, abuse alcohol and boom, drugs. Boom,
0: boom, 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 boom.
1: And are more attracted to high stress careers.
0: <laughs> Holy shit. We've been doing all this stupid psychological work and my trauma and my childhood, my background, and clearly it's just MAO. Well, we
1: don't know yet. I haven't even gotten there. Well, this I is know. your lack of MAO talking.
0: <laughs> okay, you're right. I'm trying to be risky and guess the ending. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The personality trait may have a biochemical basis. High sensation seekers have lower levels of monoamine oxidase Woo! type B, Woo! an enzyme. <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> an enzyme involved in the regulation of neurotransmitters, particularly dopamine, according to Zuckerman's book *Behavioral Expressions and Biosocial Basis of Sensation Seeking* and a research review chapter he wrote in the book *Biology of Personality and Individual Differences*. Okay.
0: I want to so, read that book. I also want to get should. my MAO levels tested, MAOB levels tested. Yeah.
1: Moreover, research Zuckerman published in 1980 determined that sensation seeking, which is higher in men than in women, peaks in the late teens and early twenties and gradually declines with age, along with levels of testosterone. <laughs> MAO, which is low in high sensation seekers, increases with age in the blood and brain. Mm. Are you going to tell people that you're on testosterone?
0: I've said it on here several times. Have you? Yeah.
1: Well, you're on testosterone.
0: I'm on testosterone. I am now currently at the levels I should have been at in my late 20s, early 30s. My, when I got mine tested, my, my levels were like in my late 50s. Right. And I think there's some correlation between physical trauma and reduced testosterone production. Oh boy, another fact
1: to check.
0: My father had like zero testosterone at a certain Mm. point and was on antidepressants. And then he got on testosterone and he no longer needed antidepressants.
1: Mm. Yeah, it has a
0: big effect on your mood for a male. That's the thing I like most about it. More optimistic when I'm on it. And I'm more hungry to work. And hungry. Yeah. yeah, I and haven't noticed how it has affected my food intake. <laughs> I okay. guess I am eating more steak. <laughs> I didn't even like steak. Oh, my God. We just figured something out. Remember I didn't even like steak? I know. I've never liked it my whole life. And then two years eating. ago, I'm like, I'm going to try every single steak and see which one I like. And then I become a like a steak <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's definitely the T. I think I like sports more, too.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So you said.
0: You say.
1: Oh, you said you're definitely going to get hit by a car if you drive a motorcycle, which I didn't like. The most common motorcycle accident happens when a car makes a left turn in front of you. Yeah. This is the single most dangerous situation of motorcyclists accounting for 42% of all accidents, including a motorcycle and car.
0: Yeah, you got to really be ultra focused when you're going through intersections. I'll add, though, L.A. is a really big U-turn town. Mm. And that's where most of the people, I think the PCH is the deadliest road in Los Angeles County. And generally, it's it's knuckleheads making a fucking U-turn. They've parked at the beach. And then they make a U-turn across like six lanes. Yes. And a lot of motorcyclists have just been cruising down the road and all of a sudden some knucklehead busts a U-turn out of nowhere.
1: Okay, well, this is a scary paragraph I'm about to read, okay? okay. The NHTSA reports that, that 13 cars out of every 100,000 are involved in a fatal accident, but motorcyclists have a fatality rate of 72 per 100,000.
0: Okay, so that's... Six? That's five times. Yeah. Five times.
1: Motorcyclists are also at a greater risk of a fatal accident per mile traveled. For every mile traveled, motorcyclists have a risk of a fatal accident that is 35 times higher than a car driver. Mm-hmm. In 2004, there were 37,000, 2004, who cares?
0: Well, motorcycle sales have declined. So maybe 2004 was maybe like peak motorcycle ownership.
1: Oh, all right. Well, The
0: millennials don't give a shit about motorcycles, sadly. They don't give a shit about any motorsports, sadly. I mean, it's good. It's good, ultimately, for the environment, I suppose. Yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. Okay, so he talks about an electric car that's going to go from 0 to 60 in a second. (laughs) And then you said that probably hits 4 Gs. Uh Uh-huh. It actually hits 2.735
0: Gs. To go 0 to 60 in one second? Yeah. That's bonkers. That's what drag cars did in the day, back in the day.
1: It says right now, I don't know if this is you you'll know more than me about this, but it said that
0: the fastest 0 to 60 is in a Tesla in ludicrous mode.
1: Well, this is the Bugatti
0: Veyron. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Chiron.
1: Veyron. Uh-huh. And Veyron Super Sport are capable of a 0 to 60 time of 2.5 seconds. They currently have the fastest zero to 60 time of any production car.
0: Yeah, that's a $1.4 million car. Okay. And it has a W engine instead of a V. Ooh. And it has four turbochargers on it. And it has like three or four radiators. And it makes over a 1,000 horsepower. And it's four-wheel oh drive. Oh, my God. It is insanely fast. I was at the auto show one year. Yeah. I went solely to see the Veyron.
1: Okay. Because I'm
0: into them. Yeah. And I was looking at it through the ropes. They asked oh. if I wanted to come look closer. So, okay. of course, I said yes. Of course, you did. I'd be more yep. mad at myself for saying no. Okay. So I was now I'm in the car, right? And then a guy leans down and he works for Bugatti and he says, You want to drive this thing? And I said, Absolutely. And he said, Okay. Meet me at this Beverly Hills dealership in a couple days.
1: Oh,
0: I think at the time there was only four in the country. Wow! And we went out on Burton Way, and I just did whole shots from light to light, and that thing would go. I could get up to like one twenty-five oh between lights. Were on there Burton other cars Way. on the road? Very minimal. <gasps> it was very safe. Close course. Okay. Uh, close course. Okay.
1: Do you know what that means? No.
0: When people fuck around on Instagram in cars, and then they get
1: shamed. Yeah.
0: Some people have been arrested. Oh my god. And they'll say closed course. What's that mean? Well, on Top Gear, we'll shut down two miles of Angeles Crest. Got it. And then we're allowed to do whatever we want. There's cops there. Yeah. So some people post closed course, but it's not really a closed course. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And I'll leave it to people to decide.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for Travis. It is? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. What did I want to say about him? Just I don't know. I'm excited to go to his house.
1: Yeah, what an interesting <laughs> life. <laughs> one what of the more unique,
0: existence. one of the most unique American life experiences.
1: Yeah, and I I truly have no judgment, negative judgment, because I think it's amazing, and I I like that philosophy of what's the point of living if you're not living
0: the life you want to live.
1: Mm-hmm. And I also think, oh my God, could I ever? get close to a person like that
0: yeah you said it was a pretty selfish lifestyle afterwards and we had a mini debate about that yeah and again
1: that's fine if that's your choice but it's
0: i do think though it's a little misleading because like yes i i I get your point that it's selfish because there's a threat of death right Mm -hmm. but more often a huge percentage of america the the person's dedicated their life to their career Mm -hmm. whether it's a lawyer or a CEO or all these different occupations that are like 70 to 80 hour a week occupations. Yeah. And so you've lost that person to that career in general, you're going to see them on the weekends, but they're stressed. And Travis, yes, has the threat of death looming, but his time is less and he's at home with his family doing this thing. So you got to be really granular about what you want out of the relationship because if it's safety, it could have the illusion of safety, but you could actually have much less of that person's life.
1: Yeah, that's true. Everyone's different and every person probably has a different answer to this. But if I was picking for my dad, yeah, would I prefer to have him work a ton and see him maybe not that much, uh-huh. but feel pretty pretty confident that he's not risking his life every day. Yeah. Uh, I would pick that.
0: But you know, it's funny because this is kind of your parents. What do you mean? Like this is kind of the the lens that your parents look at life through, oh, which 100%. is just like safety. But there's so many elements to safety. Like is safety emotional safety? Is safety- Totally. Connection and
1: yeah, intertwined
0: I mean, lives and-
1: Yeah, is it physical safety?
0: Now I can tell you one thing I'm judgmental of in the way that you are. Uh, that I ex- well, I'm not
1: judgmental. I'm not judgmental. I really am not. I think whatever works for well, him works for him and his family. I think that's lovely.
0: Yes. And I don't think you're making a character assessment of him when I say judgmental. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll say I'm judgmental of something I've noticed recently. Occasionally when I'm traveling, because uh, I would never watch it in the home. My wife wouldn't allow it. And I want my, my kids to necessarily see it. But I'll watch like three hours of UFC when I'm at a hotel. Mm. And I've noticed the last couple times I watch it that the fighters bring their kids, and I don't like that. Mm. I don't think a six-year-old should be watching their parent get bloodied to all hell, and mm. the fight having to be stopped. And yeah, re- I, I mean, think that's I just pretty traumatic. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't see how that's not traumatic. Now, I imagine the fighter is so confident about the contest that. They're going to win in their mind. They're going to be dominant. And their child's going to be proud of them.
1: Mm -hmm. That has
0: to be what they tell themselves. Mm -hmm. And 50% of the people in the ring are going to lose. Yeah. No matter how confident they are. That's just going to happen. And so half of the kids that go are going to watch their parent get obliterated. And it's got to be very scary and not fun to watch. So I don't love that. But this is that that too. Yeah, I wonder if he if they have a rule that like the family doesn't watch him do those stunts unless they know they've like they worked out and then they can see him after the fact, but maybe not on the day watching the big stunt.
1: Maybe. Yes. And I think seeing it has an added level of trauma, but there's a innate sense of insecurity. You grow accustomed to if your parent is putting their life on the line every day. That goes for military families, too. It's the yeah, same situation yeah. where it's like you go to bed at night and you're just not sure.
0: Yes, but I don't think any Navy SEAL would want their child to be watching the raid of um, uh, Osama bin Laden's compound live.
1: Right. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying regardless of whether you see it or not, you, you are then forced and you're forced as a child. You don't get to make this decision. You're right. That you are now living in a state of some insecurity about mm. the people you care about the most in the world. Yeah. And I think that probably has an effect whether they even realize it. They or not.
0: probably think their parents are superheroes in some way. Like they probably believe even more than the parent that they can do anything. Like that dad's a superhero. Yeah.
1: Well, which is well, yes, yes.
0: So it might not be full of anxiety. It might be full of like, oh, he's going to do it again. He can do it. They might not be nervous at all watching it. But I, what I'm saying is I wouldn't want them to see when it goes bad.
1: Right. But he also like, you know, he has a lot of people in his life who have died. Uh-huh. And that I didn't grow up. With my parents having a bunch of people. Half the engineers at your
0: dad's job. Exactly.
1: That's such a (laughs) different internal programming of like, yeah, this guy that came over two weeks ago is dead now.
0: But you know what? I guess, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess one of the elements that I think appeals to me about it is my endless desire for control. And in some way, me getting killed by cancer pisses me off. Me getting killed by something I hate, didn't want, didn't sign up for. Versus me dying doing something that I chose to do that I love. There's something about that to me that feels better.
1: Mm -hmm. I I respect that. And to me, that's a selfish thing to say.
0: Right. Sure. Because
1: I would prefer you die of cancer.
0: Well, not next year.
1: No, not next year.
0: But if I died at 40 of cancer. As people do, mm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and then
0: I hadn't done anything I loved because I was afraid of dying. And then this fucking stupid thing got me.
1: Yeah, when course. I could
0: have been doing everything I loved.
1: Well, it's a balance, right? Yeah. It's a balance. I'm not I think saying I'm, don't, I don't do think anything. I'm, yeah, you love. I but. think
0: I'm in the safe side of all these things. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm not trying to set any world records. Or okay, you just knocked down a wood desk I built. Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I love you. I
1: love you.